G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Coming up, the prodigal son recently returned to Monday Night Raw, and he's spending his time in the underground. We'll get to the bottom of what he's been up to down there as Shane McMahon joins the show. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. I am jacked up, fired up, and excited for what we have in store today. This is one of the white whales here in WWE for me since I've begun doing After the Bell. It seemed pretty much impossible, but he's returned back. And although I could probably talk for days, there's not much time to waste, not much time to spend. So I'm going to dive in with both feet uh, and get to the bottom of as much as we possibly can, because let's be honest, Few people in the world know WWE quite like my guest at this time, Shane McMahon. Shane, you're a busy, busy man, one of the busiest people I know. So first off, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your day to hang out and chat. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's been a while. You were, you're one of my, uh, my first goals when we were talking about, hey, who would you like to have? And I said, anyone with the last name McMahon would be a great step in the right direction. So I finally tracked you down. Uh, first things first, man, the entire WWE universe and beyond are buzzing about the return of Shane McMahon in this new iteration of Monday Night Raw known as the Raw Underground. This, you know how hard it is to keep secrets in this, in this company? And I was as shocked as anybody when it all went down for the first time a few weeks ago. How did this come to be and your involvement with it? Well, it's, um, again, we're trying to trying different things. It's a work in progress um, and different format, changing things up of, of what's been going on this far, especially in the third hour. You know, it's raw. And again, it's a way to showcase new talent, um, get people more exposure. It's uh, a little bit faster pace. You know, and a little more intense, so shorter, more intense, and people are seeming to like it. So uh, we're rolling with it. How much input have you had in the development of this? I know you're a big fan of mixed martial arts, which obviously there's a lot of influence in this this world. But uh, what what have you had uh, involvement in as far as developing this? Quite a bit. Uh, Quite a bit. There's, uh, I mean, this goes way back. This isn't an original concept. You know, this is more, you know, even going back to, um, you know, Roman Gladiator times where they used to have short matches to determine who was going to be longer, et cetera. Um, so the iterations, there's been lots of stuff or similar things, I should say, done in Japan uh, for quite some time. And you know, I've, been, uh, I've been traveling to Japan uh, since the late 80s. So, uh, you know, when I was a, a teenager and I saw some of this. So it's always resonated with me. And again, you, you uh, mentioned MMA and uh, a lot of my friends are, you know, do that sport. I, I also practice uh, multiple forms of it. So I really enjoy it. And so if you can blend that with WWE entertainment and what we can come have come together, uh, again, it's a work in progress and that's what we're trying to accomplish. Well, it's definitely exciting. It's different. That's one thing everyone agrees on. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. And just visually, it's really, it stands out. It, it's kind of jarring at first, but then you see some familiar faces. What I've personally enjoyed is knowing a lot of these guys that, that we see as superstars 
that their backgrounds and most of the ones I've seen on the raw underground have legitimate sports backgrounds that maybe we may touch on them from a commentary standpoint, but you never really get to see what these guys do. Like Eric from the Viking Raiders stands out to me because he's been a friend of mine for over a decade. That guy is as legit as anybody could possibly imagine. Same with Dolph Ziggler. We, we forget how talented Dolph Ziggler is and what his credentials are because we're used to the show off and what we see week after week. So to be able to see him in his element is really exciting and throws a whole different point of view on a lot of these characters. Has anybody stood out to you? Uh, the two you mentioned, definitely. New Dolph, what Eric had heard about, um, you know, is, you know, he's got a lot of skill sets and what have you. And, you know, the more and more you talk to him and then we're just like, oh, wow, okay, then let's, we can do this and like let it rip. And boy, did he ever. So I'm very pleased with that. Um, you know, and then you have, as you said, so many other people, even without MMA background or things are just tough guys, you know, I don't know if you uh, had a chance to watch Titus O'Neill on Monday. That was a whole different Thaddeus. Yeah. I have, I have been in the ring with Titus O'Neill in, in, a, in a wrestling competition and I, he hit me in the jaw once in FCW. And I swear to God, I thought my jaw was broken for about a month. He is one of the most deceptively powerful people. I mean, he looks like he's a big dude. People get lost in the fact you see him on TV. Don't realize what a massive human being he is. And yeah. the power he possesses is it's scary. So to see him in a different light is definitely that that's exciting. It almost gives a lot of these guys like a, a new lease, a, a new, a fresh coat of paint, so to speak. That's it. I mean, you get to what, what I think is going on is you have talent like that to know like, okay, it's short, it's intense and let me let it rip. And it's more reacting and they're just going with their instinct and it's fast paced and it's high energy. And that's what it's designed to do. So you don't have time really to think about things. You're just going for it. I mean, it is, it's exhausting. Anybody who gets in there, you know, and those that have never experienced really, you know, what a couple, even even 60 seconds of going full out, what that feels like, uh-huh. I mean, you have to be in shape. Uh, and it's a whole new appreciation of why people have to be in shape because, you know, the one thing, once you get tired, people don't realize your, your muscles you're are better in your oxygen <laughs> and you're just banging to be knocked out. You're just like, oh, just end it. Yeah. Just, just hit me and put me out of my misery right now. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, that high energy is what we're really trying to, you know, really trying to have come across thus far, thus far it is, and really uh, able to introduce new talent. Uh, Riddick Moss is really doing well. He's super impressive to me. He just has the it factor, plus coupled with this style, you know, very excited. Dabakato, like, is huge. We got to, you know, uh, be introduced to him. He's a big guy. He's enormous. I, 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 I I was on a movie set with him uh, last summer or last fall up in, in Vancouver. And I'd, I'd known of him because I think I saw him at the well, the greatest Royal Rumble or one of those things when he had just been signed. And now to see him, I think he barely knew how to wrestle. And this has been several years ago now. And now he's being featured and it's like a whole different animal. And this dude is enormous. There's some people that that look big on TV, but you can't fully appreciate until you've stood beside them. And he's one where I just go, good Lord, man, how do you function on a daily basis? He's gigantic. Yeah, I mean, I noticed something. It was very to that exact point. When he got up in the ring, Don Cato, he stepped up in the ring. <laughs> right. You know? Not on the steps. One yeah. step up on the apron. That's how long his legs are. We were, I was just like, wow. I was like, I can jump up there. You know, like that's still... That's a big jump. Uh, yeah, the jump is, is a task. Being <laughs> up there, you're just like, 
Absolutely. Flat over the rope. I was like, I mean, I don't have ropes right now, but uh, I don't know. That's another thing. I took the ropes off. You know, I just want to make it different. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm yeah, excited take, to see where take, it goes. Take, for example, and you go back and start looking at Shelton Benjamin and his yes. credentials. You know, I mean, wow, he can go. You see that? Bobby Lashley, you know, yep. MVP, you know, all that jujitsu background. Uh, and that's more of, again, we're trying to mix all different types of styles. You know, Arturo Huas, you know, Capoeira, wrestling. Yeah. I mean, that's, we haven't even started to get into him a little. And then again, it's another way to showcase a lot of what he can do. And there's so many other guys uh, and women specifically that, um, you know, look at, look at Marina, uh, what she was able to accomplish. Justin and Duke, you know, uh, just last week. I mean, those strikes were, they were there. Oh yeah. Oh, those are some dangerous women. <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, wow. You know, and I, I forget a lot of times that I, that my mics, they keep my mic live. So I'm like, Oh, I'm just calling it. You know? and I, and then, I, then uh, my, my boys, uh, my sons told me like, dad, why are you always like, Oh, wow. And I was like, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you just, just reacting. Like, oh, Oh, you know? So, Next week, I'll try to be more mindful of the mic. I don't know, maybe, or maybe people like that part. I don't, I don't know. Again, everything's so fresh and new. We're just, we're trying it all. And uh, and anybody watching this, or for those that are, it's important we get feedback um, because we want to continually improve it. You know, again, this is this is conceptual and we're throwing it out there and it's important to get feedback of what people like, what people, more importantly, what they don't like. Um, and hone it and make it better. So that's that's the whole goal of it. And we have a great platform to do it. Well, let me ask you this, because based uh, obviously a lot of the feedback we're going to refer to generally in the, in the business now is social media. And social media fans tend to have the thing that they like or they're wrestling purists, so to speak. And you grow, you literally have spent your entire life in and around this business in WWE at the pinnacle of this. Is it hard for you to look at something like Raw Underground that is so wildly different and sort of embrace that? Or is there still part of you that's like that purest way? I, I know what I like and I grew up around this and this isn't quite that. No, no. I pride myself on being able, just having more of an eclectic taste. So I like, I like all of it. Uh, again, at a very young age and, and kind of how this you know, was in my head. You know, I was kind of like the mascot. I was the kid in the locker room, you know, with some, you know, back then of like, really hardcore guys and man would they stretch me i mean <laughs> painfully thought it was the biggest funniest thing that they all get to beat me up you know and and stretch and wrestle and you know you learn a lot you know from so many different guys uh that's how i eventually kind of got into you know much more of doing you know and training and boxing and because it wasn't just wrestling you had to learn to use your hands i figured that out at an early age just you know the guys crack me around a lot of those guys had skills um, that were never showcased. So that's always been in my head, too, of just, you know, the unbelievable pain for all those years to be in stretch. <laughs> but as I grew, the matches got more serious, you know, because I was getting bigger. Right. Uh, obviously, not big enough to make a dent. But, you know, for me, it was more of a challenge for them until you finally hit a certain age where, you know, it's like they're much older now. Like, now, now I want to go back at them. Talk to me a little bit more about this. I know you and I have had these conversations off the air about just you coming up in and around the business. Most people that watch WWE and know Shane McMahon, the character, right. know you as the the son of the billionaire, Shane O'Mac. Here comes the money. Tell me about some of the dues you paid coming up 
in the business. I mean, you, you spent time on the road and doing the odd jobs. And I, and I don't think a lot of people realize that they, they know you as an on-screen character, but they don't realize the work you've put in behind the scenes to, to get where you were. Well, I'm, I've been very fortunate to be able to have, um, you know, to be able to grow up in this business. And ever since I was probably five or six is the first time I went to my, to my first show, which was the, which was the Worcester Auditorium, not the Centrum, this tiny little place in Worcester, Massachusetts. You know, you just got to get hooked. So I was always from a very early age, I was taking jackets back, you know, you know, from ringside. It was kind of my job to hang it back up in the locker where the guys were, or uh, as I got a little bigger and stronger, I was able to help with the ring. I did ring crew for many, many years and uh, took a lot of pride in that, putting that up and down and, you know, making sure everything was right. Turn buckles and passion when you're really little, then you get to the bigger things like throwing everything in the truck. And eventually it was on tour, you know, setting that up, you know, setting the ring up for everybody. And that's when it started evolving more. It became ring announcing, it became being a referee, um, had all these different opportunities physically in the business. And, but never thought I would, you know, always wanted to be, you know, in the ring performing. Um, but never, never thought that would come to fruition because, you know, it was, you know, my grandfather had more of a philosophy of, you know, uh, don't, um, my dad <laughs> echoed that for a while, you know, um, until it was just right time, right place. And then got involved physically and, um, and in storyline and it, it caught and we ran with it. So, but that's, I mean, that's just, you know, when you're talking about the, the pure, um, call it the superstar or the, the talent side of the business and setting it up. But, you know, corporately, I've, I've been shadowing, you know, one of the greatest minds in the business, you know, my entire life and uh, that absorbs. So, again, around 11, 12, going to all the production meetings, listening, uh, hearing greats like Pat Patterson talk about the psychology of the business. And I, I really learned the business backwards. Um, where I wasn't a performer, but I understood psychology and why why men and women should do things and when they should do them. Uh, and Pat was obviously so far at his time. And so we really learned from one of the best between Vince and Pat and so many others that would come around that table. Um, you know, sometimes you hear stuff from Harley Race and, you know, and you just listen and you learn. So being around it, you learn again, so much of the storytelling and the physical storytelling part of the business and why and why not. Then that just, uh, knowing the product that just grew into well, production. And I was a production brat, so pulling cables and uh, on the tour buses and setting up everything and setting up stuff for the camera guys. And, you know, I used to, you know, do a lot. I was, I was a gopher. You know, go for this, go for that, uh -huh. take a coffee, you know, a lot of guys, Chris Chambers. So I grew up from a production assistant, you know, to an associate producer, to a producer and went through the ranks like everybody else. We had to, really had to earn stripes, you know, to, to do that from a production. And so I was um, editing, putting stuff together, putting pieces together. You know, some of the interesting things when I was producing Vince doing uh, voiceovers, you know, and his inflection would be wrong or he'd thump or something and he'd be like, oh, you could, I'm like, it's stopped. We're going to go re-back. We're going to go back and, you know, redo it, re-rack it. And the whole, like, edit, everybody in the edit suite would be like, because you know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we stopping? You're like, grow, grovelly voice, you know, he's super tired. And, oh, come on, play it back for now. I don't believe it was wrong. And then you play it back, he goes, <laughs> 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 my God. I, I can't tell you how many 
conversations my dad and I have had privately outside the back of Edit One when it was just me <laughs> and I about, you know, he's producing, he's trying to produce me when I was producing him. I was like, no, you're the talent right now. <laughs> Never. By the way, Vince is always right. So uh, once he thought he was wrong, but he was mistaken. <laughs> To me, I, I know. So I can go on and on. I can get into corporate please, business. Please, I'm, I, I, I want to go wherever you want to go. I just was going to add on that from my perspective, I learned exponentially more about the business once I was out of the ring than I ever did when I was in it. I, I knew the wrestling psychology and the moves and all that stuff, but from the production side and just the day to day and things that go into WWE that people, myself included, have watched for 30, 40 years and just have no idea. That to me has always been something I was curious about. And now kind of getting the keys to that castle and being able to explore on this side of the camera is it's refreshing and it's exciting. I feel like I knew I learned something new every day. You know, everybody's always prided itself on being slightly ahead of the curve uh, as it pertains to technology and how to use it, you know, more importantly. So it's those guys, you know, my hats off to the whole production crew, really the whole company. As you're well aware now, Corey, it takes a lot to run this ship. It all starts with talent and the product. And then from there, it's, okay, once you have a product, if you will, then how do you distribute the product? How do you make it look its best possible way? So those are the bells and whistles of production. Then it's into how do you market the product? And that's more of where marketing and PR and, you know, live event sales and all those things come in. And um, it was also, that's, while I was able to knowing the product and both of those things, knowing both the in-ring storytelling aspect uh, as well as the writing and television production is when I um, more morphed into business and uh, running it on a corporate level. Uh, and then it was just a hybrid. So from dot-com standpoint to publicate everything, merchandising, licensing, um, most all revenue on uh, generating things, you know, I've, I've obviously had my hand in um, and, and ran at one time, uh, international television expansion, taking, you know, the WWE brand. I mean, it is, it is a global phenomenon and, uh, we're ex- extremely proud of that. And it all gets back down to, um, you know, our fan base around the world that enjoy the product and, um, but we can always do better and we're trying and, uh, enjoy the product and, uh, want to be, want to support it that way. So, that's um that's what fuels me um, specifically is always trying to be better. You know, there's a lot of content out there now, and um, I personally like the pressure. You know, from from fans that want us to be better or want us to see us do a little something different, and we listen. You know, again, it's it's tough to turn the shit quickly at times, but you know, we're listening and getting it out there, and uh, always trying to enhance and, and make it better. So we just briefly touched on your Rhodes scholarship in the sports entertainment business. Uh, and you obviously had your hands in anything in every department there is to know, basically. Uh, so there, there eventually came a point where you stepped away from WWE. What was it like stepping away from the, the one thing that you had had, like one of your constants your whole life and, and stepping into this new venture, this outside world? Uh, very difficult. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you've been... You have been in, call it the cocoon, if you will, for uh, whole life. And uh, the most, again, having the most unbelievable education, everyone, you know, we're talking about earlier, sitting next to great minds such as Pat Patterson and 
uh, and guys like that, uh, Michael Hayes, etc. That's all again on the on the core product side, production side again. So having but having so many business people come through there for marketing and promotion and what have you, uh, and business development, uh, consumer products. You learn so much from everybody that has you know come through those doors. That I have again had such a fortunate education and multiple facets. So it's it's like I've had you know fifteen different jobs you know over the tenure of my career. Uh, and you learn so much about it, whether I was working inside the company, I happened to be all under one umbrella. So taking that knowledge, um, wanted to go outside for a little while. Also, it was very important for me. And one of the one of the bigger driving factors was uh, I have three boys and make sure that I was in their life a little bit. Um, I wanted more time with them. And by leave, it allowed me to invest time which is the most valuable commodity as you're aware. Everything is so demanding and your time is so demanding. So I was, I was able to coach, you know, uh, all my sons, you know, peewee football all the way up until they got high school, uh, thoroughly all in their lives, just being around a whole lot more centering. was seeing a lot of that. Uh, it was one of the drive forces of me doing so, as well as, you know, immersing myself in businesses that I wanted to do and testing, you know, testing myself. Okay. And, you know, how would I fare outside the cocoon, you know, and uh, have a drive in and do something and to do something completely different, you know, take those skill sets and, you know, evolve, um, you know, get involved um, with multiple, multiple businesses, do some investing, do some things like that, that I've always, you know, had the, I've always had the affinity to do uh, and, and, and go for it. So, you know, not with some, some work really well and others just like, okay, worked okay. But the main thing is it just gave me back so much time. And then, you know, so I kind of really came out of the business for my boys, my kids. And it's also the reason that I really came back. I always had a longing for it. And, you know, it's in my blood, literally. And my, my boys, you know, this goes back to WrestleMania 32, um, you know, when we're Undertaker on the cell. My boys have been saying to me prior to that couple of years, like, hey, dad, you ever think about, you know, getting back in there? You know, because my sons never saw me live. Right. They never, they saw me, you know, via, you know, DVD or YouTube or things like that. There's, there's never really, if you can ever, and you can attest to this, if you can be a real life superhero for your kids, that's a pretty powerful thing. Sure. And that was the opportunity that was given to me. Um, you know, to return on the biggest stage of them all at WrestleMania against arguably the most iconic and singular talent ever created, you know, and be there. And Mark Calloway, the Undertaker, you know, who's also my longest running friend in the business. Hell in the Cell. I mean, to main event WrestleMania was, uh, you know, or be the special attraction of it was, uh, that was really tough to pass up. So it's like, all right. And we didn't know where it was going to go. You know, it was potentially to be that one and done. So I, one of the things I made sure it was so surreal is when I had my boys come out with me on stage. And that was, uh, that was an amazing moment. Like I had to, I had to get my, I was so like just euphoric watching them, you know, and just so proud. I just snapped myself out of it because I, I was just focused on yeah. that. I, mean, I, like, I got to get out of dad mode and get into fight mode. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, I was sitting there. I was just like, oh my God, like, I was like, you know, like, Wiping my eyes, <laughs> like, trying to take deep breaths, and uh, yeah, it was because uh, a lot of people watched it. Like, oh my god, you know the, chore- the choreography on that was great. It was like I told my I told my sons about six seven minutes before I went out there. I was like, hey, um, 
you guys want to come out with me? They're like, no way, really? Like, I was like, yeah, you want to do it? And uh, my two eldest stack like, Kenny were like, yeah, the Rogan was much smaller at the time. If you ever watched that footage back, you'll see him come out and he's having fun, but he's on my hip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. There's a lot of music. There's a hundred thousand people here. He goes, this is crazy. That's wild. So then we went all the way down and, uh, you know, then there was my mom down there and my wife, Marissa, you know, they're bawling because of the moment and everything else. Then that's when I did snap out. I was like, oh my God, I go here, I gotta go to mom. You know, I'm about to go do battle with someone who's going to take my head off. I want to, I want to back, back you up just a little bit because I actually remember the night it was Detroit, Michigan, when you returned to Monday Night Raw. It had been seven yeah. plus years away. I was actually doing the Raw pre-show at the TV studio. And the only information we got was there's something big happening at the top of Raw. And I'm going, well, we, don't, we don't even know what it is. We don't know what it could be. I could have named 10,000 things I thought it might have been. And not one of them would have been the return of Shane McMahon. How did that even come to be? Was that something you'd been thinking of for a while before the opportunity presented? Or were you kind of out of the bubble and went, oh, wait, sure. No, I got I to gotta call Taker Nina an opponent for WrestleMania. And you know, needed to be special. And there was talks, you know, even back then, that, you know, in Texas, where not, no, not the cats out of the bag, a lot of stuff where Undertaker is from, you know, WrestleMania, that magnitude of 100,000 people, you know, setting the indoor attendance record, I believe. Yes. That was going to be an awesome way out. So, uh, and I really thought it may, again, be one and done. So I was just psyched to do it. But coming back, so I got the call, you know, from Taker to say, hey, would you ever consider this? I was like, huh. I was like, well, let me think about it. About 10 minutes later, I got a call from my dad. You know, he's like, well, he goes, congratulations. You know, uh, <laughs> this is what we're doing. He goes, what do you think? I was like, well, it doesn't sound like I'm thinking much, you know. <laughs> In typical, typical Vince fashion. He goes, no, no, seriously, I really want you to think about this. And, you know, I was like, all right. And then, and then really started coming up with the creative. I said, well, if it's going to be what I think it's going to be, then it should be, you know, can we do Hell in the Cell? Can we do this? Um, and we have to make sure that, you know, the storyline more than anything is, is right. Uh, otherwise, it's just a match. So why are you emotionally? This is, this is one thing that I always, again, going back through what I've learned throughout the years, in any match I've ever ever done, I've always had, you know, I know there's some crazy stuff that happens from time to time, but it's really the emotional story of why, you know, what got us there and what you do telling the physical story once you're in the match. Well, let me ask you this. This stands out to me, and it's, it's a bit of internet wrestling lore that has never been solved. That first night in Detroit, when you and Vince are standing face-to-face in the ring, there was some mention of a lockbox. Yeah. And it was never mentioned again. And I know, you know, that, that happens all the time in this business. Stories change. Do you know what the plan was or where, where we were going or did, why it changed course? Well, I, that was leverage I had on him. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know, if I won, I kept everything. But, I, you know, being a person of my word, I handed him the key. I, I wasn't sure what, what, where it was going to go. or that's, that's one of those... One of those wrestling lore stories that kind of, for some reason, won't ever die. We never know the answer to. So there, there we go. There, there may be a little truth to that. I may have a copy. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I was born at night, not last night. <laughs> <laughs> 
when you look back at your in-ring career, obviously prior to Undertaker at Hell in a Cell, uh, was there anybody in particular that helped you out specifically that, that you trained with or really gave you more than others as far as time or knowledge-wise? Pat Patterson a lot. Uh-huh. But physical training, Dr. Tom Pritchard. Okay. Okay, so I spent a lot of time with Dr. Tom, who I stay in touch with and uh, regularly. Al Snow. Okay. Okay, I learned a lot from Al. And, you know, both those guys, you know, spent time with me to make sure that things were, you know, things were polished, things were, um, couldn't see through anything. And learning more of the physical, you know, aspects of what you have to do. And then primarily everyone else I started working with, you know, there was no developmental program at the time. You just had to kind of do it on your own. And those, uh, those two guys specifically, um, I spent a lot of time with. Uh, I, w- I will say helping me get ready for things. Um, a, lot of, a lot of times I'll call on my friend, Tommy Dreamer. Okay. We'll, uh, <laughs> and we'll go in there and, uh, you know, just, just start wrestling around, just to start getting in shape. Then he'll do something. Then I'll take him down. You know, I just like to hear him yell a little bit. <laughs> uh, but, again, but, but then working with so many different talent over the years, you take a little piece, you know, when you're on the road doing house shows um, or live events, we should say, and then working, you know, working with just top talent, you advance quickly. And you know, kind of going back to this, one of the one of the stories we told, um, and working with a great talent, both you know, I'm glad we were able to pull it off well. Was Kurt Angle? Um, you know, Kurt had a meteoric rise, and really the beginning of that is when we went back to King of the Ring, which is gone many years ago. And you know, we still talk about that match. It was one of those things that kind of. It definitely launched me and it helped launch Kurt. A cool, a cool thing that happened that night is it was very infrequent that a match would ever get a standing ovation. And I, everyone there appreciated what we did because we, we really put each other through a lot. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Most of those moments still live on in all the video packages, but then now forever, you, you guys going through the pane of glass. Yes, and uh, there's a story on that too, which I've told. But Kurt called the spot. You know, he wanted um, we were coming towards that area, and he wanted me to suplex him on the ground. I said no. You know, it's like this is concrete. You suplex him. I was like no. You know, then he punched me in the face or something. Then I did it. I was like fine. You know, so, <laughs> so he you hit, made like, me do this. I was like you made me boom. So I suplexed him. I hear it, and I was like that's not good. And then I look over and I see Kurt look at me. And I was like, what? He goes, I can't move. I went, okay. So it's like, great. Okay. Like we're, we're like 20, 25, 25% in the match. Right now. So he's like, oh, I was like, fine. I just kicked him. I said, stay there for a second. I just kicked him again, you know, and just, and then he got up and he goes, oh man, he goes, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And then he broke his tailbone, cracked his tailbone. Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's the worst. <laughs> bad right there. I mean, right in right pelvis split, you know, painful. It shows how tough Kurt is. Right. So that first suplex, you know, he gave me the belly to belly to go through the glass. You know, he didn't have as much torque as he normally did. So boom. Plus, at the time, uh, we didn't know this, but I wish we did now. They had a whole different type of glass in there because of all the pyro. If you put like, uh, like Hollywood glass in there, it would have blown out with the pyro. Oh. 
So the the geniuses, whoever put that in at the time, you know, made it very, very, very strong. You know, if you go back and look at that, it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen. Yeah, it's not sugar glass. <laughs> so we hit that thing. I was like, boom. And then I came straight down on my head, you know, yeah. like the concrete. And I was like, so it was a double whammy. And then Mike Yoda saying stuff to me. And it sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I can see saying, are you okay? I'm going, yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, get back on Kurt. If he did it again, it didn't work. And then finally, I call him an Olympic something. uh, Wuss, I'll say that for uh, this show. He went, and he finally popped his hips, and I went through. Uh, The same thing happened on the way back. If you watch, we went twice. Kurt said, screw this, and a different expletive. And he just threw me, threw me through the on the way back out. Oh man, it's wild. I mean, there's so many. I, I really, you know, my first match ever was with Mick Foley. And a quick little story was, you know, back when Vince had the Stooges, Vince had to go do something. The Stooges, you know, were like, you stay here with Shane. Shane's in charge. We're like, no, no, Vince, don't go. You know, because I was a hot-headed kid or whatever. Anyway, that was my first match. I remember getting in there with Mick and he's such a pro. I'm looking around and he's got the Mankind mask on. I'm looking around and dancing. I'm like, pow! I'm tagging him, you know, like bang, tagging him. I'm like, ooh, I'm feeling good. It was in Tacoma, no, that's the world. So bang, popping him, bang, popping him, getting, you know, starting to feel it. And the crowd's picking up on it. And the anticipation's building. And then, you know, mix like hit the ropes. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm hitting the ropes. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> I forgot. I was like, now his turn. You know, like, yeah, I'm like, hit the ropes. I'm hitting you. I'm hitting the ropes. I'm like, oh, the great time. So finally, I hit the ropes. He cold cocked me. Bang. So like, oh. I was like, woo. I was like, here we go. And then he gave me that big knee in the corner. And then that disgusting Mr. Sacco. I was, uh, it got that thing in my mouth. I was like, what? I was like, the thing is painful. <laughs> he jams it in your face. He's like a punch. It's like, maybe he did on Burma's mouth. I was like, whoa, be like my mouth was all. Bloody and all it was gross getting that thing in there. <laughs> I remember that. Kind of, I don't know chronologically. X Pac was another one right after that, which is my first big one at WrestleMania. And uh, again, we uh, very proud of that because we had a good story. We had a good physical story, good emotional story, and we backed it up physical. Um, and there have been so many other. I mean, and being on there with Rock and Austin and you know DX and obviously Taker. You know, even before uh, before I did before I came back. Once, uh, I'm skipping over a lot of history, but I know we don't have a lot of time. Sure, I was going to say, we get to do this all day, but I'm sure we <laughs> you got business to tend to at some point. So I can go back. But then once I came back, was fortunate enough to be able to be involved in multiple WrestleManias, you know, because it was a good story. Uh, again, both emotional and physical. Very proud of what Taker and I accomplished at Hell in a Cell. Very proud of what AJ Styles and I accomplished. I, I think that surprised a lot of people, actually, because you know I'm not really known to wrestle in the in the in the normal sense of you know collar and elbow type or whatever. I, mean, I learned again from Dr. Tom and you know Al and many others. Like, can I do it? Yes, and that was a that was a cool. That was part of the story that we got to showcase a little bit of that. So leading up to that match, how much of you was like, oh, watch this. I'm going to show them. Even after all this time, everything you've accomplished at this at this pinnacle with uh, many would consider the best in-ring performer of the generation in AJ Styles to go out there. How, how excited were you to be able to go watch this? It was, it was, I was excited. You know, and, you know, AJ and I had spoken about it. And uh, it was a good showcase for AJ because he was, he was ascending. And it was right. a really good spot uh, for him. And I was just privilege to be in there with him and, uh, and do that. But when we were talking about it, I was like, hey, let's, 
let's do something that no one's going to suspect. You know, this is your strength to your point. You're just one of the best in ring performers. Um, I said, so why don't we showcase that a little? He's like, oh yeah, that's great. And then we started doing a couple of things and thinking about it. And uh, he's like, you, you do that? I was like, yeah, let's go. So, and then that's part of the story. And then if you remember, it was supposed to be Outlaw and he's the one who introduced the, the toys. Yeah. You know, referee went down. And then I was just like, okay, we'll do a <laughs> Um, so I was very proud to be able to do that match and AJ's very proud of that match too which really which really means the most to me when whomever you're in there with is appreciative and you and you pull it off and you rock it you get the adulation from the crowd and you get uh, more importantly the respect from the boys you know and collectively I say boys in the locker room uh, when you come back through um, those are as you're well aware as a performer and there's, there's no bigger drum than that yeah, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. So we're from that WrestleMania we we're just talking about, which was in Orlando, to WrestleMania this year, which also took place in Orlando in a completely different environment than we could have ever expected or anticipated. The WWE Network documentaries of, that they've been putting out. And you were around for WrestleMania this year, maybe not in front of the camera, but you had, had your hands in the creation of this unique WrestleMania. What was that like for you? Again, because of obviously the situation that's going on with the pandemic and what have you, you, know, you just have to adapt. And it's all hands on deck. Anything you can do and try something. So being involved in uh, helping put together the scene of Bray Wyatt, or I should say The Fiend, you know, that entire thing, it, we knew it was going to be different. That's the one thing, you know, whether you loved it or hated it, wanted to make it just a, a mind trip. So and set up the potential, you know, of, okay, well, this could be any type of, anytime the Fiend wants to have a match like this, it could be, you know, this trippy, completely different, go anywhere down a wormhole, you know, um, what have you. So uh, that was that was the intent of it. Kudos to John Cena for thinking outside the box. You know, an immense amount of that was really, really pushed by him. Uh, and he wanted it to do, and John wanted um, Bray to do very well with it and uh, have it be a showcase for him. So very unselfish. And again, whether you liked it or, or hated it, it was uh, it was something that we you know wanted to make different than what we knew traditionally in ring. What anyone would have expected, right? Uh, similar to what I thought was outstanding was AJ and Taker. Uh, also, you know, again, different outside of uh, you know that was really cool. It was like a mini movie. Yeah, yeah. showcase. You got to showcase Taker specifically differently. So those are lessons we've learned. We can get outside the box on things. And, you know, again, we're trying. As hey, you're aware. The old saying is necessity is the mother of all invention. And that proved it right there at WrestleMania. Also kind of opened the door up going into the future. And speaking of the future, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention the brand new WWE Thunderdome. Pretty cool. Unbelievable. Mind-blowing. It's like walking into a video game. I remember the first time I walked in early in the day. And uh, what are your thoughts on, on how that all came about? Again, you, you hit on it earlier. Our production team has always been, you know, top-notch. And uh, it was one of those things where we're just like, look, we got to step this up. Because being on the PC it was great. We had an opportunity. We had a building. Um, and, you know, thank God we did have that. Sure. But, you, you know... Everybody was expecting, okay, in a couple of weeks, everything will be fine. In a couple of weeks, everything will be fine. And then a couple of weeks led to a couple of months, which led to multiple months now. So now that it's the new normal at the moment, it's like, okay, that now needs to 
be much more WWE standard in how we polish that up. And so kudos to the entire production team um, and all that went into that. So many, literally hundreds of people that were involved with that setting it up. Uh, really cool. Uh, it seems that it's got a good buzz, you know, from people you know that watch your product like it. It's something that they get to be involved with, you know, being on screen, which helps. It also helps. Uh, it also helps the talent specifically because you get a little of that feedback, you know, you get a little of the vibe, and that's the one thing where WWE is, you know, so much different than you know NBA or NFL from you know standpoint of the fan interaction is very important. Absolutely, absolutely. Could I, I would argue is the most important with because that's how that's how we gauge success. Did it work? Did it not? And you you said instant gratification. And at least now there is because I've talked to a lot of the the talent and even being out there at ringside, just having that that sort of ambient crowd noise and having some semblance of reaction, yeah. it, it feels exponentially better than the performance center. And and it was all done out of necessity. And I'm glad we at least were able to take this next step. But man, it's it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> Yeah, I made a huge difference. Well, before I let you go, I got to ask. Obviously, you're back on Monday Night Raws as part of Raw Underground. What are the odds Shane O'Mac gets the itch again and we see you uh, getting physical at some point in the future? Never say never. I'll never say that. You know, it's not about me right now. Uh, It is about developing, you know, new talent or talent that is here and giving them a platform. If I can help out and have a good showcase with an up and coming, um, you know, talent. I love being able to do that or an existing one or what have you. Just, it, it just needs to be again, follow good story and uh, emotional story. And then how would you pull it off physically? I still got a few left in me. I, I was going to say, you still stay in the gym as much as anybody I know. Don't be, don't be, don't be modest, Shane. <laughs> just to follow up on that question. I know you mentioned a few in the raw underground at the top of the, the interview. Uh, who else has the eye of Shane McMahon right now? Who are you watching do their thing on raw SmackDown NXT that, that impress you? Well, I'm really enjoying the fiend. You know, I think he's taking it to, to another level because he entertains and he gets it done. So again, the emotional and the physical nature, uh, you know, he can, he entertains you, you know, with the promos, makes you, because they're very, they're very thoughtful. Yeah. You listen, you're like, oh, deep, he's into it. And he takes great pride in being he able does. to work these little things in where if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss it. But if you get it, man. <laughs> he takes, yeah, he, he takes you on a ride. He takes you on a storytelling. And as, as he does also physically, you know, and he, he can get it done. You know, he's a, as you're well aware, people, some of those guys are deceptively big. You know, he's, yes. he's not three, but he's the high twos. You know, yeah, he can yeah. move. He can move. Uh, he can move. Other guys, I've always, uh, I like Braun. Uh, like, uh, I just like that nature. I'm talking about a guy who can move. Uh, I like that. I think, you know, Seth Rollins has really upped his game specifically. Uh, he's taken much more of that leadership role, and you can see the difference uh, in, in his work specifically. I was very impressed, you know, and a lot of us were thinking, like, let's see what happens with with Dominic Mysterio. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, I mean he's really surprisingly, or maybe not, I think he's surprised a lot of people because when you have, you know, obviously his dad, Ray, is amazing. And you're like, oh, boy, it's, it's going to be like Ray Light. You know, but Dominic's different. And he, and he, and he, uh, and he makes it different. And you care about him. He, there's very few guys that can pull it off. And that is really the secret uh, to getting over is 
you want people to care one way or the other. Either they love you or love to hate you. Uh, there still needs to be that love in there. When it, when they're ambivalent and they don't care, you're like, well, you're just having a match and then your match is vanilla and there's no emotional. There may be great physical, which will help a little bit, but they don't have the emotional connection, which is uh, very important. All right, Shane. Well, I honestly appreciate this, man. You're always welcome on ATB. Thank you for the time. I'm looking forward to the future. Good deal. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, again, love to hear everyone's feedback and uh, I'll be hearing from you and the team what people are thinking of Raw Underground and pretty much everything else. Just trying again, uh, working hard to make the show better. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Thank you so much to Shane McMahon for taking a little bit of time out of his insane schedule to hang out with us here, the ATB faithful. I'll leave you with a little bit of zen. This comes from Shane McClendon. He says, I will breathe. I will think of solutions. I will not let my worry control me. I will not let my stress level break me. I'll simply breathe and it will be okay because I don't quit. Sometimes everybody needs to take a deep breath from time to time, no? If you're not already, follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Send us your thoughts using the hashtag After the Bell. I ask you nicely every week. So now I'm demanding if you haven't already and you're using Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, throw me five stars, it helps spread the word. If you're using an Android, ATB is on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts, so you have no excuse to ever, ever, ever miss an episode. You can follow me at WWE Graves, and I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.